welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I am joined by... Andy Gramuga. Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. Today we're going to be talking some new streaming releases, particularly Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, and Baccarat, which we've all seen. Some of us have seen Baccarat one and a half times, even. Uh, but before we get to that, I think there's a few... Well, before we even get to talking some of the uh, some of the movies that only one or two of us have seen, um, we've got uh, Directors Fortnite, International Critics Week, and Acid, the uh, autonomous can sections that are run separately from the main festival. They officially canceled themselves this morning. Can now says, well, we're not going to be able to do anything this summer, but we'll definitely still get something later in the year. I mean, if there are festivals happening in the fall, if they happen, like, any later than late July, they're probably fucking over Venice, but I'm sure they don't mind doing that. But also, seems like there's a very, very good chance that there won't be hip festivals happening in the fall, at least in person. Yeah, and I mean, especially, like, I I guess localities will matter, too. Like, Italy has been particularly hard hit by everything, so, like, maybe Venice in particular will, like, not be happening. So, um, right. I guess we'll see how, how things are looking as things develop, uh, and we try to adjust to this new world. But, uh... But yeah, you know, film festivals, communal experiences that take place in large rooms, probably not happening per usual any time in the near future. Yeah, and there's the option of, I mean, like, festivals happening, but not having people from outside the country attend. That seems maybe so. Anyone got a movie that they want to start off with? I think, uh, with the exception of Andy, Baccarat is probably the freshest on all of our minds. Sure, why don't we start Start with Baccarat, then we'll do a a grab bag, then we'll end with Never Really, Sometimes Always. Sounds good. So yeah, Baccarat is quite good. Uh, does anybody want to set up Baccarat? Yeah, Baccarat is a movie about this town, Baccarat, it starts with a woman going back to the town because her grandmother, who's kind of the matriarch of the town, has passed away, and then the next day, weird things start happening, like... They are on Google Maps, and they cannot find themselves on the map, and then, uh, I don't know, I guess we'll talk about what the movie is actually about. Yeah. I I think we can mark a spoiler warning for Baccarat. So there's these people who, uh, are manipulating things like they they get them off the map they they shut down cell service eventually they turn the electricity off so that they can these are these uh rich white people led by udo kier who uh 
he he seems to have done this several times before where he will pick a town and bring people in to hunt the people who live in the town so uh yeah that's what the movie's about and then yeah. at the and then at the end the, yeah, we, the we follow hunters... like a yeah like a ragtag group of, of the residents like trying to defend yes. themselves yeah. yeah i was i was just gonna say just uh hopped in real quick the type of setup i mean is it is a movie that was at canon 2019 oh, yes. it won the grand prix it's directed it by won Clay the, uh, the jury Cotton prize Mendoza. the jury prize it directed tied by with something yeah it was directed by claver mendoza filho and juliano dornells mm-hmm. and yeah and it was released we saw me and Jesse saw it at TIFF last year. Kind of, we fell asleep through yeah. most of it due to Jojo Rabbit exhaustion, I believe. That though it was also, right. though it was more getting up at eight a.m. or whatever to watch to watch Jojo Rabbit that completely tired us out, and we all gave it a rewatch. And yep. I, upon watching it in full consciousness, it is quite good. Yep. Um, I think what I, I had to say about it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like, it's a pretty interesting movie to think about. Like, it's obviously very political. It's about like a literally like minor. Well, not a minority. I guess that's, uh, people of color being hunted by white supremacists. But it's also about like the systems that keep them in power. Where like there's. A good running subplot with like the mayor of the town who right. keeps claiming that they're gonna help them, but at, at the end is revealed to actually be uh, facilitating the entire murder escapade by the white people run by Udo Kier. I I enjoy for a movie that could seem weirdly tonally because I think it sometimes it is a pretty like small, interesting like movie about these people's lives that ends with like five beheadings Mm -hmm. but it's actually pretty i don't know it feels human in a weird way that i don't you don't feel it should with a movie that had like brief appearances by flying saucers and like murders and stuff like that pretty gruesome murders yeah well it's a a flying saucer shaped drone yeah we'll say when you're falling in and out of sleep of a movie does that stick out and weird you out? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since I saw this. Uh, it, it was one of the earlier movies that uh, I think maybe even the first that was like post like everything having to close like announced like we're doing a partnership with like your local art house and like you can pay mm-hmm. to rent it online um uh on on like if you pay and you, and like if you go through your specific art house local at hearst theater like we're gonna split the money with your art house so i think i paid like 12 bucks or something to rent it um yeah uh online and and be able to watch it at home on uh, kino now um and so so it's been a little while since i saw it there's also yeah i i similarly really liked the uh like all the politician stuff was a lot of fun like he shows up and what does he give everyone? He just like gives everyone uh, something. Pumps out books and yeah. like, expired food. Yeah. And it's just like, and here, drugs. like, take it. Yeah. Like, you know. like um, black market sort of like weird over the counter drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of weird drug stuff in it too, right? Like, cause yeah. like, 
the the woman who like is traveling back like takes a dr- the drug as she comes into town right and that sort of yeah uh-huh. yeah they all take and then this, they like, weird sort of like psychotropic yes yeah they all take yeah. it as the uh murder crew is heading into yeah. town yeah and then they I give think... it to the mayor as they like send them off to the cactuses yes yeah yeah, because they described that it's like technically a painkiller, but mo- mostly it's just like a mood relaxer. Mm-hmm. Is what the drug does. So that's like, that's the thing that the um, the mayor, mayor brings it. in. Yeah, yeah. Sonia Braga from Claver uh, Mendonça's Fe- Ophelia's previous movie Aquarius. She was the lead of that, and she plays yep. a supporting role as uh, the doctor of the town. She's really excellent. Yeah, a lot of good performances mm-hmm. in it, though. There are a couple of bad ones. I think if one issue I have with the movie that I feel other people have had is that the cast of just, like, random white, like, not even character actors. I don't know where yeah. they got these people from. It's like that they, they look got like them. character actors, but they can't act at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, They're, oh, this guy looks weird. I wonder, like, what sort of idiosyncratic take he'll have on this character. It's like, oh, nothing. He just is, like, there, and then he gets shot in the face. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like Udo Kier is quite good, though. Udo Kier is good. It's <laughs> kind of in line with his work in the with uh, S. Craig Zoller. See, that Udo Kier, I had a weird mode. thing. I just kept... Every time he would open his mouth, I was like, why isn't this... St- Terrence Stamp's voice, like he looks so much <laughs> like him, it was insane, and it just kept throwing me off. Yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> Terrence Stamp's very specific voice coming out because well, he's got like that the same haircut, like it looks almost exactly like he does in the Limey, and I was like, oh, it's gonna be like, and then every time he'd like sound like Werner Herzog or whatever, I was like, oh, what is he this? He sounds like Udo Kier. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I don't have, I've never seen an S. Craig Zoller movie. Sure. I mean, he's done some uh, Von Trier, like yeah, some of the had... early Von Trier, I think. Is he not at the end of uh, House of Jack, though? Is that not him? No, that's, that's Bruno. That's Bruno. I think I confuse, those are the two people I always get confused. Sure. sure. That Yes, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I just to get back on track a little bit about the actual movie. Um, the the I do agree that like yeah, when it spends like extended time with like the hunters or whatever, it becomes much less interesting to me and sort of loses me a little bit of like their whatever their like whole game or point is is like it's like it feels a little standard issue I would say. It's like yeah, they're they're you know they're they're in it for like the love of hunting people and they're exploiting these people because of the you know it's it it doesn't feel like like they're like exciting characters to like get to know or spend time with or like even like particularly intriguing characters for me yeah. um yeah the uh, thing is they yeah. they exist at like a weird where like they're not good enough at acting to be like low-key and interesting that way and they're not going big enough to be like campy and dumb and fun and fun to kill so they're just like in a weird middle ground where it's just like they're just kind of dumb looking and they yeah do it's like kind of weird, stupid thing like jacked up dude with a bowl cut saying like 
I didn't think it was a kid that I killed. And it's like, okay, let's get past this guy. He's not really giving anything <laughs> to the movie. I don't know. I feel like their bid is just like they're weird and they suck. Yeah. But and they that just. works enough for me. Yeah, but it's just a thing where it's like the more they go back, it's like the more they go back to it, the less interesting they become. Mm-hmm. And right, it's just sure. Like, and it's just like they either need it to be. I don't know. Yeah, I think, yeah, something that was, like, more fully from, like, the town's perspective and, like, maybe some residents of the town discover, like, who these people are, like, a little more after the fact or something would have been, like, maybe a better route to take for me instead of, like, directly shifting POV to be, like, in the group of the bad guys for extended periods of time. Although I guess then you probably don't get Udo Kier because, like, why would he want to be in the movie if he wasn't actually playing a character? So, you know, trade-offs. Yeah. I will say things I like about it is that like in the inverse, the entire like Brazilian cast of the movie is quite excellent. As yes. you said, mm-hmm. Sonia Braga is good. Um, Tomas Aquino as Pacote, who is mm-hmm. like the main guy in the town, who like he's like a hitman bring... that's sort of retired. Yeah, he's like a sort of retired. He's like trying to put it behind and then doesn't put it behind. There's like a a weird bit about like a YouTube compilation of the guys he's killed being out there. I think okay. he's quite good. Yeah, I like. I think oh, the father. Yes, mm-hmm. I was just about to try and look up who that is. The father, the kind of ostensible main character. Uh, Wilson Rabelo is the actor. Yeah, he's very good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, who plays? Yes, is Silverio Pereira as Lunga, who is oh, like yeah. a weird, crazy guy like who is like wanted. Sort of. Yeah, gangster who's like wanted by the police, but also the town loves him, and it's like it's an interesting dynamic, and it's played very funny. He's like he's maybe like the biggest element of the movie in terms of like going like weird, slightly campy, but it works, and just like the kind of like love and care that is shown to like this town and how it works and how these people care for each other and how they're protective of each other goes beyond just making it seem like kind of like i don't know like cartoon like oh the people from the small village they all work together and they help each other and then it it actually gives a context for like who they are as people and like the weird beefs they might or might not have that they're putting aside to deal with the current thing and like yeah, because it's also, like, uh, set up sort of early on that there's um, the mayor or some sort of government has cut off, like, all the water to them. Uh, so that, right. that's, like, a big thing because they want them to reopen the sort of dam. Um, and there's, like, the water truck that comes every day. And then, like, one day it comes with, like, bullet holes in it. Right. And that's, yeah. like, the yeah. motorcycle people. I'd also say another element that I really liked in the movie is, like, its relationship to, like, like local history, uh, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, a lot of, like, I'll, there's a lot of it where, like, well, you mentioned, like, the Google Maps, like, discovery is, like, in a classroom where, like, a guy is trying to teach a bunch of kids and like, about, like, their local whatever, and, like, they start to look it up and they can't find it, and, like, he's like, hmm, what's, what's going on here? And then, like, a lot of the climax also takes place in and around, like, the local, like, museum that's, like, mm-hmm. this is, like, what, what the, the history of this town or whatever, and which is, like, I guess they're, like, one, like, tourist claim to fame, um, and then, 
I think I think and and then they utilize that in an, uh, yeah. a a really cool way in the climax of like yeah. you know there's like certain elements of like military history that they like pull into action in order to help fight against these invaders um, and I, yeah. I I thought all that stuff was very well integrated into the movie. It's yeah, a fun it's reveal because like... at the beginning they sort of talk like there's these people that come that are like sort of masking themselves as tourists but they plant like the device that cuts off the cell service um and they're like sort of working with like the white supremacists but then you find out that like the white people don't like them because they're not white um but they uh they are like oh are you here to see the museum and they're like no and then like another person asks them and then like at the end when they show the museum it's like a sort of like uh similar thing of where it was like an ambush happened and you see like the sort of uh dust imprint of where all these guns were and it's like uh oh this is where it gets cooking <laughs> yeah. yeah like just like from the like my slight understanding of portuguese through spanish it's like it seems to suggest that the entire history of the town has been like people have tried to take it over and the people in it have fought back and like killed invaders and like started revolutions and it's just like yeah like a nod back to sticking together and fighting against white and both like i think it has an interesting relationship to whiteness because when Mm -hmm. the one bit that is interesting with all the white people is just like them pointing out that like the more city-based brazilians that are the people who are like the colin mentioned they're working for them they're like a lot lighter skinned than the people in baccarat and they can maybe pass for like not completely brazilian in the way that the people that they kill and it's like just that slight like difference in skin color and places where you grew up in a country where it's like mm-hmm. it's easy from an american perspective to be like well brazil is just this thing right and it's interesting yeah. to be like nope there are very different takes and ideas about what brazil is to different people in it and it can even lead you to commit terrible things against the other people because you see them as othered because yeah that's like another uh sort of not fun but like interesting payoff for when they like get there there's this guy playing guitar in the village and he's like sort of roasting them as he's roasting these tourist people uh and he's like uh their skin's so pale they've never like worked outside they're like they look white but they like they could be italian it's like but no we know they're they're not and then they you know murder them i feel like another thing that is like really worked for me a lot right now in the current state is just like when the mayor first comes and he just like tries to give them a bunch of like knickknacks and like books and like expired food and stuff and they're all of them are just like bring back the water right and yeah he's, and he's just like well yeah you know that's a lot of dealing right and i'm like, working a lot on of politics. Yeah. and it's just like yeah, people asking for the bare minimum and the government officials not giving it to them mm-hmm. and just like locking themselves inside their house. It's just like it worked a lot for me. Is all I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of I'm under the impression that there's some stuff that's more specific to Brazilian politics that maybe I at least I'm not picking up on that maybe makes the movie even a little bit fuller but even without that i quite like it yeah it is good yeah i mean a small little thing that i found just like briefly googling and like searching the wikipedia page for the movie is that like 
the region in Brazil which it takes place is called the Sertal, which is like a northeast region, which is apparently a lot of like unincorporated territory where it's like it's te- it's like part of Brazil, but there is, it falls under the jurisdiction of like no specific state, is my understanding. So mm. it's like a lot of like weird politics of like where do people fall and like how do we treat these people and stuff like that which again if we were more familiar with specific brazilian politics then maybe it would work more but i Mm -hmm. but yeah it's a good movie it's a good i always enjoy watching foreign genre movies because it's interesting to see people's take on that kind of movie i feel like we have an always have a very like american or asian perspective on like what an action movie looks like and seeing like a weird like Brazilian, dirty, like down dirty action movie kind of is fascinating mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. Yeah, and I will just say like, I think they are still sort of like rolling out the like partnering with your local art house uh, thing. If not for this movie, at least for other movies, and I do recommend if you have an art house near where you are that you would like to support like do look check at check in on them and see if they're doing any of these partnerships uh there's lots of, like my art house right now is offering like five or six other movies that have similar deals where you can pay 10 or 15 dollars or so to like, like have access to these movies and like the the distributor is splitting the money with your art house to help support them in, in these times where they can't they can't show movies and i think that if you're able to do that then that's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a great use of your time and a, a great way to be able to to, to see these sorts of movies yeah, and on that note, I can mention a few others of those movies that I saw at Toronto, though I don't have a ton to say about because it's been a little while. There's um, The Whistlers is a Romanian movie by Cornelio Poromboyu. We're actually going to be talking about one of his movies, um, Police Adjective, next week when we do the 2009 On Certain Regard um, it's like a kind of that that it's actually a li- it was also in can competition and it's a little bit similar to what Emilio was just talking about in terms of like it's a sort of action crime movie uh from a culture we don't necessarily see that from that often it's like it's got this little specific quirk where. Uh, the main character, who's kind of a, a corrupt cop, he goes to this island where they have, uh, like a clicking language, where they, like, kind of click their tongue in different ways to communicate, and so he learns that so that he can use it with this kind of sort of criminal syndicate to uh, pull off this job, and it, that, so that's, like, a, a pretty fun movie that I dec- definitely recommend. One that I wouldn't necessarily recommend as much, but might still be worth your time, is, uh, Wild Goose Lake, another can competition movie. This one is, uh, the director Diao Yunnan, who directed... Black Coal Thin Ice a few years ago, which won the Golden Bear at Berlin. Uh, and it's another, like, action crime movie. It is... I didn't find it to be super engaging. <laughs> this is the one in Toronto where I 
maybe fell asleep equally out of boredom and out of being tired rather than just out of being tired. Uh, but you know, there's some cool action stuff. I, I could imagine giving it another try and liking it more. And then Vitalina Varela, which I've talked about a little bit in the past, is Pedro Costa's movie um, about uh, a woman who's kind of playing a version of herself who has to go to Portugal when her husband dies to sort of take care of his affairs. And it, I saw it on the first day of Toronto at the end of that day, and I had not been in my Airbnb yet, and I'd been, like, traveling at this point. I, like, traveled for, like, 20 hours via bus and then had seen two movies and then saw this. So, in that situation, it was kind of a tough sit. Uh, less because of content and more just because it's very slow. I can imagine it being a similarly tough sit if it, uh, if you're watching it at home, just because it's so much easier to get distracted. But if you're someone who has a fair amount of discipline about watching stuff at home, I think it could still be really rewarding. It's one of the most acclaimed movies of the year. It, I believe, won both the top prize, the Golden Leopard, and Best Actress at Locarno. And yeah, it's it's definitely... I wish that I had the attention span to check it out again at home. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and then we could briefly... Well, so a there's a couple more can competition titles that I have not seen and so cannot necessarily recommend, but there's uh, Sorry We Missed You, the Ken Loach movie, and uh, The Traitor by Marco Bellocchio. Those are a couple other can competition titles that you could catch up with. And then one that uh, three of us have actually seen that I think might be on regular VOD. Like, I think it was released to regular VOD along with its theatrical release in January. But I think they're also rolling out some of this stuff with being able to support your local theater by watching it, and that's Zombie Child, which we may have talked about a little bit, but that's, uh, yeah, because we, we mentioned it briefly, I think, maybe when we were talking about Nakarama on our top 10s of the 2010s episode, but yeah, this is a movie by Bertrand Bonello, it's maybe not his best movie, but it's certainly interesting, it's a bifurcated structure where there's this uh, man who becomes a zombie, kind of, in Haiti, and then there's these, uh, girls in, uh, who are at this, uh, boarding school in France, one of whom is related to the, uh, aforementioned, uh, Haitian character, and yeah, it's it's got some super interesting visuals. It's, you know, it is a Bertrand Bonello movie. Does anyone else want to say a little more about it? Um, yeah, I've sat with the movie a lot since I watched it. I originally, like, sat with it. I like the visuals and 
think about what much of about what it was doing or what it was I was getting from it really. But over time, I've like warmed up to it a little bit more. I see kind of what it's about. It I think in comparison to Nocturama, which is the only other movie of Bertrand Bonello's which I've seen, so this is the only really point of comparison I can draw. It's like they're both kind of movies about kids trying to like reckon and play with something that they don't really understand and uh, and like ultimately suffering some sort of consequences with it with like Nocturama it's like terrorism and like the try of eco-terrorism and like the consequences of the actions they took and how they're going to be punished for it and like and this one is more like the racial dynamic of like well as you said one of the girls at this like boarding school in France is like it's like a descendant of this like original Haitian zombie but like she's friends with this other collection of white girls who are like interested in playing around with that like mythology and like the ideas of like what zombieism is and they start like they but at one point conduct a seance and they start messing with stuff that is that kind of out of their control and I think they I'm kind of fuzzy on the ending with the problem with me talking about it mm-hmm. but I believe it's like they suffer some sort of consequences for what they try for what like the main white girl tries to do right. like the seance and then yeah, then I'm more fuzzy on what happens towards the end. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I I also probably do not remember the details very clearly, but I think it is sort of like, yeah, they get like they get very clearly warned that like you, you shouldn't mess with this stuff and then like it turns out that those warnings should have been heeded basically right by the end is is sort of I think the takeaway. But yeah, there is mm-hmm. there is some a lot of good cinematography to be mind like the contrast of like rural like plantation era Haiti versus modern france and like the difference of imagery of like what a seance and what like spiritualism was then and what it is now and there is some again most of what i remember are from images more are images more than plot which i think is something that often happens to me with foreign movies sadly but i enjoyed the images i think it's worth watching i think bertrand bonello is an incredibly talented director who i enjoy his style a lot Mm-hmm. If, so maybe if this one is a slightly is a slightly slighter one of his movies, I think it's still worth watching if you have the time and the patience. Yeah, uh, another movie that is being released for the first time digitally is uh, the 2017 movie by Guy Madden and Evan and Galen Johnson called The Green Fog, which is kind of a a take on Vertigo where they use footage that was all shot in San Francisco to kind of, they, they kind of put it together to sort of recreate Vertigo. Uh, it's got, it, it, it's very, there's not very much dialogue. There's like weird scenes where like they cut around dialogue. So all that you're hearing is like, uh, 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 uh. Uh, but, like, there's some... As it goes on, more dialogue gets introduced. There's, like, a very... There's some really cool sequences. There's a really, as I recall, kind of moving sequence with uh, Chuck Norris. Uh, that I think... I think that's the sequence in the movie right after he 
Belite right after the uh, the Jimmy Stewart character, whose name I don't recall, believes that the Kim Novak character has died. Uh, Chuck Norris kind of stands in for Jimmy Stewart, and uh, it's it's obviously weird to talk about performance in the context of this movie, but they edit Chuck Norris into giving, I think, a really moving performance. Um, and then there's uh, there's uh, some funny stuff with Michael Douglas uh, later on. Or maybe earlier. But yeah, that's one that I definitely recommend. It's uh, just a little over an hour, and it's streaming free on Guy Madden's Vimeo. So that's an easy one to check out. Uh, uh, can I throw one in that's a yeah, little totally. off the beaten path? Uh-huh. Uh, it played uh, Berlin this year as part of their on-transmission uh, program, uh, and it was at Cannes in 1996 in their uncertain regard uh section but i just watched irma vep on criterion channel the other mm. day uh just while we're sort of doing a grab bag of sure. recommendations uh if you have criterion channel you gotta watch irma vep it's uh olivia Asayas movie about uh maggie chung coming to uh paris to make a movie with uh a director played by john pierre uh, leod um and uh it's like a remake of this old like vampire cereal, I think, uh, from France called uh, like Le Vampire, and uh, oh yeah, it's like um, a, it's like a movie about movie making and like about uh, sort of like this weird hectic set where like the director is like all over the place and uh, Maggie Chung is like doesn't speak French, uh, so they can only communicate with her in English. But it's so so cool. Uh, I you know other than like the like myriad of reasons I'm upset I didn't get to go to Berlin this year. Uh, now having seen that, knowing I could have seen it like on the big screen with a Q and A with Ase Austin, Claire Denny, like along with 35 shots of rum, it would have been the best. This movie's so so cool. Can't recommend it enough. Anybody got anything else? Yeah. Uh, speaking of movies that played at Berlin this year, I saw Onward, the uh, Disney Pixar movie that came out. Um, uh, played briefly in theaters to a not very uh, successful box office run and then uh, got uh, uh, pushed onto Disney Plus uh, much ahead of schedule. I thought it was very solid. I think it's a very nice, you know, it, it has all that like emotional uh, sophistication that you've come to expect from Disney and Pixar in terms of the stories that they tell. Uh, it's, a, it's a story about brothers. It's a story about, you know, how, 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 you, how do you you know how do you make your own family that sort of thing um i think the animation that they work on i you know i'm not super in love with like all the character designs but i do think like the the work that they've been able to do with like textures and and backgrounds and the way that the magic looks i think is just kind of astounding in terms of like how far they've come when you think about like with them starting with toy story um and yeah i think it's definitely worth a watch especially if you have disney plus uh it's an hour and 45 minutes and it's a, a nice fun adventure uh, that is, uh, is is worth checking out, I'd say. Yeah, I watched Heimat is a Space in Time, which is a three and a half hour long German documentary by uh, Thomas Heise, which is him reading his family's kind of letters from 
throughout the 20th century. It's super interesting. I bet it's more interesting if you've got a good idea of uh, German history. Obviously, it's perhaps easier to know where the first half of that is going, considering uh, his mother's father, I believe, or maybe it's his grandmother's father, is Jewish, and so he has Jewish family in the early part of the 20th century, so that takes up, like, the first third to half of the movie, um, and then it becomes more specifically about his family, but there's a lot of stuff about the, like, the, uh, Socialist Party. Um, it's interesting, and like his father's relationship with the party. That's one that, if you've got time for, I'd recommend. I watched it in several parts and found it pretty compelling, maybe a little bit sleepier as it goes on. Uh, what else? Like Did you want to talk about uh, my first film? Oh, at all? yeah, yes. Yeah, my first film is, me and Cullen saw is Zia Anger's movie, uh, movie slash performance in which she shows clips from her first feature film that I believe she made as a grad project and comments on them via a text window. She's doing like a split screen on her desktop where... She's showing the movie and sometimes a few other things and has a, a text stream going and then uh, some other surprising things happen. It's intera There's interactive elements. I believe by the t I heard that by the time you saw it, Cullen, she was just leaving her iMessage open for the whole uh, the whole runtime of the show. Yes, uh, she did. Mm -hmm. Luckily, uh, there's only one time someone did a message throughout like uh the mm -hmm. non-interactive portions right um but yeah it's a very like one of the more like unforgettable things like i've ever seen yeah 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 i know she she said that she's maybe taking a break from it but a break hopefully means that it comes back at some point she had been doing it for several years like, since 2018, maybe, she'd been doing it live, and so, uh, th this year she started, like, within the last month, started doing live streams of it, uh, which have been, but hopefully that'll come back at some point, uh, yeah. and that, that, that I can wholeheartedly recommend, uh, yeah, follow her on twitter maybe even set up uh twitter set up push notifications so that you can see when one of these gets announced because they fill up pretty quickly because she has to keep it kind of small for the interactive elements to work but yeah, yeah really she, excellent she caps it at like 60 people i think so um, but yeah about sort of like her position in like the film industry as like an independent filmmaker whose first movie didn't go so great. Right. It's yeah. So so interesting. Uh huh. 
That 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 makes me think. Does it have like interesting conversations with the assistant? Um, or is it is it a different realm of filmmaking? I guess it's like about uh, like without giving too much away, it's like about uh how he basically like made a movie that didn't really get accepted by festivals and like people still consider her like a first time filmmaker and about how she's like she starts it off by like sending out old Instagram live clips uh and like the whole thing with like or not Instagram live Instagram story uh and like their whole thing is they delete them so she talks about like how how hard she had to fight to get them back like sort of or not fight but, like downloading them from like Instagram's like back end or whatever uh and it all ties together in a way where she talks about getting told like some short film she made for like a themed like uh, a women themed website was like too esoteric Mm -hmm. uh it's all very very interesting though why don't we talk about never really sometimes always and then i'll mention a few things that we might get around to talking about next time we do one of these great movie let's do it what a movie yeah wonderful we talked about beach rats back uh when never really sometimes always was like picking up heat at berlin or yep. maybe just post sundance uh better than beach rats which is also very good so mm-hmm. I, again to do the basic setup for people who might listen sure, to this yes. episode before another thing never really sometimes always is a new film by eliza hiddenman who directed Beach Rush, which we talked about in a previous episode. It premiered at Sundance earlier this year and then won a Silver Lion at Berlin later after that, but before right now, I guess that's what we think. It is a drama about a young woman in rural Pennsylvania. Well, not suburban Pennsylvania, let's say. Yeah. Who is pregnant against who is pregnant and seeks to get an abortion but cannot do so near her so she goes out with a friend to new york it's to her try cousin and get it. yeah. her cousin yeah yeah aren't cousins all friends <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> let's not yeah let's not delve into our own familial relationships for this podcast we don't have to do it. um yes i think i think so one thing that i really value about this movie is how limited the point of view on it is uh, because you sort of you start with her as like, you, and you just you're introduced with her, and you you maybe know the premise when you see it, so you're like, oh, is, she's gonna try to get an abortion at some point, and she's like not feeling great, and she's like hanging with her family, she does like a performance at school, and like you sort of start to get hints of like maybe her family life isn't so good, and then you follow her to like this first clinic and stuff, but you don't ever you don't ever really learn much more about her backstory beyond what like the various like clinicians and health professionals and stuff the encounters inquire about her you just otherwise are in this point of view with her as she goes about this process of uh, eventually obtaining an abortion spoiler um but um but and and you eventually do learn some things about her past but you don't learn more necessarily than like what the various like professionals who 
um, are, are, are a part of the process learn about her, which I really thought was like just a so super effective choice. And it makes the, I think the, the standout scene, you know, is the one, is the one where, where like the title phrase comes into yes. play. Um, she's just an, brutal. an incredible performance in the scene where she has to answer a series of questions with never, rarely, sometimes, or always. Um, and like you learn so much about her in that moment, uh, which is never ever like, fully explicated or unpacked later in the movie you just learn it in that scene from her answers to those questions and the way that she answers them uh and i think yeah that the, the way that you that you get to know this character i think is just such a strong choice and i was so enthralled by it yeah there's like i think there's a thing i've been thinking about how like movies either exist in like a bird's eye view or a bug's eye view mm-hmm. and it's like Sometimes, with, like, go with a movie like Background, which we talked about earlier. It's like, it's a very kaleidoscopic movie that, like, a bunch of POVs and, like, tries to get you to understand all these different points of view and, like, exists at certain times at a remove from the characters to try to, like, get a clearer picture on the entirety of what's going on. But then there's, like, movies like Never Really, Sometimes, Always, which kind of exists, like, at a bug's eye view, which is, like, the entire movie exists from the main character's perspective. Anything outside of that, it kind of doesn't get that much screen time. Like, even like even as much as it sometimes seems like a two-hander between her and her cousin's character, there are moments when her cousin leaves and she, the camera does not go with her. It stays mm-hmm. with her. And it's like... It gives you... it's, it's It gives you... Not a clearer picture, but a stronger picture i don't know what's the good way to mix that metaphor of like what this person's life is and how she lives day to day it gives you a a better picture of like who she is and how she lives than like what are the surrounding circumstances and it like really makes you feel for her and care for her and like if you said the never rarely sometimes always scene is excellent not only because of the scene itself which is like excellently performative by both her and the voice performance by the person playing the person at the abortion clinic. Yeah. But also because they don't go back to it. It's like, it could seem like an incredibly like clean, like uh, exposition scene where right. it's just like, here are all her problems. Right. So or you like know cut them. to flashback, like immediately after that scene, but it doesn't yeah. do that at all. Yeah. yeah. Or, or just like, it could just like continue lingering on what is said there, which is like an incredibly powerful and devastating reveal. But instead it just like, moves on from that because the character wants to move on from that. Like, this is not a story about her relitigating her mistakes. It is about the difficulty of trying to solve them. Yeah. And uh, I think it's excellent in that way. Another thing I want to say is that Helene Louvar might be one of the best cinematographers working. Jesus. The movie looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's, the, the, yeah. the use of Super 16 is like... It's I know so Jesse. Good. I know Jesse. You're a big fan of Sean Price Williams and his use of sixteen. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. or like I, this is maybe a little more my speed in huh. like the palette and the colors I like to use. But I think they're similar in how good yeah. they are and how well it captures like a very specific small parts of New York. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Along those like, yeah, the way it captures like basically like the area around um, Port Authority yes. <laughs> as, like, the, as, as an experience in New York uh, is, is an area I'm, I'm fairly familiar with because yep. I you know, spent a lot of college going to Broadway shows and stuff and that's right in that area. Right. Uh, just like, yeah, just like the little hints of billboards and just like how anonymous you feel in that area just because there's so many people 
Um, and like the weird, like little, like, you know, they go to like the, the Bowling arcade alley. area and like, it's attached yeah. to like this weird, like mall sort of area where there's like, just like sort of a space with like a bunch of other stores attached. It's like so weird and like a sort of feels like a giant mall, but is also just like the, a set, a, a you know, a, 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 a one block radius in New York city. It's, it's, it captures that so well. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the area maybe sometimes feels even more hellish than it does in the movie. <laughs> there, sure. there, maybe it captures that sometimes, but not as consistently. I feel like, I feel like it that that area I thought was shot a little bit weird. I think part of that might have been like a lot of the. There's a lot of times where it seems like it's maybe avoiding shooting, like, big brand names, uh, and that's something that I very sure. much associate with not the interior of Port Authority necessarily, but the exterior, certainly. Like, we didn't get to see the, uh, the Cake Boss's shop. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a, a small complaint. Yeah, I know Colin was crossing his fingers for a shot at Cake yeah. Boss, yeah. I'm not happy unless Buddy Valestro gets a check. <laughs> <laughs> he he does get all of Cullen's proceeds from Can I Kick It? Just go straight yeah, to Buddy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's one like, thing. Oh, go ahead, Cullen. No, no, please, please, please. One thing. Speaking of Andy, both Andy and Amelia talking about how it takes a pretty restrained view and doesn't go outside the main character. One thing I kind of liked is that we never find out what the parent's reaction is to her having Mm -hmm. her abortion, and so that kind of keeps them from being villains, even if it doesn't necessarily seem that she's got a great home life and we know that she doesn't want them to know, but I like that it keeps them from being like stereotypical villains. Like I think, if they, if we do like, see, there is even a scene where she calls her mom and hangs up. I think if we do get more of a specific reaction from the parents, that has the pretension to very easily go cartoonish in the like vil- not cartoonish, but just to make them like too obviously villainous. Yeah, I'll yeah. say, like, the mom, who I think is played by Sharon Von Etten. Yes. Um, which is very cool. Uh, it's like, you see, like, she basically is, like, not, like, uh, like, she's nice and, like, doesn't seem like she's, like, a bad mom, but she also seems like she has her hands full with her two younger kids. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, the stepdad is, like, a true asshole who's, like, yeah. uh, like, and their introductory scene after she, like, performs at this talent show. Uh, and is at a like restaurant. She's like, uh, the mom's like, tell her that she was good. And he's like, she won't uh, be happy if I say it anyways. Like, your mother wants me to tell you you were good. And then he's like being a creep with like the dog. It's like a lot of like, uh, I mean, as I'm sure it is in the real world for everyone, uh, a lot of creepy guys in this movie. Yeah. Of like the fucking creep manager at the grocery store they work at where he like, kisses their hands when they give them their like cash bags god it's just so awful yep yeah dudes rock 2020 has been found dead in a ditch (laughs) yeah and it's like it it that's the maybe the aspect of it that it's the most like 
impressive and well handled of like how it depicts just like how all these guys in the world they just like any step they have to take they have to suffer some sort of consequence and then they have yeah. to like pay it forward some way and like the only value people see in them is like their weird body and like often like her her cousin is the one that is more directly like seems like people are trying to sexualize her in the movie both mm-hmm. by the creepy shop guy and then by like the guy who they meet on the bus they meet on the bus who like basically pays for their way back and just like the transactional nature of all that it's just yeah. like so creepy and icky and horrible but it's also not like when the scene where she has to go by herself to get the money like at one point it's like Ugh. the guy agrees to pay for their tickets back but he clearly wants something from right the cousin yeah and it's like the way that entire scene, the ha- that entire thing is handled is perfect because it's also oh. not like something so horrible happens that you're just like, it's like completely wrenching and you feel like insanely bad, but it's also creepy enough to like linger in your mind and feel <laughs> really bad. Mm-hmm. And just like some of the cinematography around it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. as I think as we all said about Beach Rats, if there is any problem with it, is that it like can sometimes be like too wrenching and too punishing about the people's circumstances and like yeah. never really sometimes always always manages to like show you how like difficult and horrible all this is, but also like dodge a bit and like not have not like be so horrible that it's just like it becomes like a very specific issues drama in that sort of way. Right, yeah, and I think, yeah, it really does illustrate, like, you know, all all the guys in it do not come across well, but they also are, you know, they're operating within sort of, like, you know, you, you do sort of come away with it thinking, like, wow, these guys are just all sort of operating in, like, the structures that they, like, think they're supposed to be operating in, and, like, they clearly don't think they're doing anything wrong or, un- like, they don't, like, they, like, they wouldn't, like, you don't necessarily get the sense that they would necessarily, like, lie about, like, these things or try to hide these things that they have except for maybe that fucking grocery store guy yeah i mean certainly some of that but like a a lot of it it's like yeah like this feels like very like like these like a lot of it feels like everyone is just sort of very accepting as like yeah this is the way that we do things Mm -hmm. and like they're just there's just like sort of that like that like underlying horror of like yes this is just like the system that we have and like we're people aren't aren't questioning it and we're just going along with it Um, yeah yeah, I think, yeah, like, maybe the stepfather is a little, like, too much, and the grocery guy is sometimes, right. it's like, they hit that point a little hard, but, like, the guy, the, like, main guy who, like, they meet on the bus and helps them throughout, that is, like, a perfectly balanced of, like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's not, like, a horrible monster asshole, he just, like, thinks that this is the way, like, if she, if they're well, gonna pay for their tickets, he's gonna get a kiss, and he's, like, and it's, like, Maybe it seems more creepy from our perspective, who, who like know the circumstances surrounding it, but it's also just like a general right. creepy thing to ask for you can, yeah, somebody. Yeah. You can totally see him like telling all his buddies about it, like when he gets back home, like oh, I mm-hmm. met this girl, like whatever, like like it's 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 something that he is like not ashamed of at all. Yeah, yeah I think what it does sort of like so well is like uh, Hitman is like great at sort of like the subtlety and like balancing of things where like if that sort of took a turn for the worse with that guy, like you would buy it because of like, he's giving off such a creepy vibe, like on the bus, like f- forcing like the, not yeah. forcing, but like essentially forcing her to give him her phone number. And he's like, instantly like, Oh, I texted you already. And it's like, she's showing off. He's like, he keeps texting me. It's like you, I like, I could have seen that going like way, way worse. 
Um, even though it did go like bad-ish. Uh, and then like yeah. uh, the subtlety also of like you see the scene um, where the cousin uh, is like doing like the transaction basically to get the money for their bus tickets and um, uh, the main character like finds her like she's sort of like wandering around like looking for her with this huge suitcase that they brought uh, and there's like just the shot of them like holding like not even holding hands just like holding their pinkies together and it's like so uh, very like so well done <laughs> Um, something else I think we should talk about is the way that this depicts like the actual like the the actual process of um, of abortion of the abortion and like the, the like there's basically there's a couple of clinics that she goes to I believe so she has to travel to New York specifically so that like her because she doesn't want her parents to know mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, and I believe in in New York it's specifically like they call out like this is a Planned Parenthood that she goes to. But first, like, her first place where she goes to find out, like, whether she's pregnant, uh, in, like, her town in Pennsylvania, she just goes in for, like, a walk-in appointment, and, like, it seems, like, a little off, but, like, fairly straightforward and just, like, a regular doctor's office, but then you sort of find that this is one of those places where they, like, it is specifically set up to discourage women from seeking, uh, abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait. and yeah. She like goes there first c- to like get a test done, right. and then they just give her like a store bought pregnancy test, and she's like, "This is it." And then they're like, "Yeah," and then they show her this like dusty old video of a guy <laughs> like talking about how bad like abortion is, and like showing like saying you're killing your baby or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then but then sh- when she goes to New York, and you see like I think all the interactions that you have in the Planned Parenthood facilities, I think, are really just in. Int- like very interesting and like well deployed as like a, this is a nuts and bolts like this is what happens when you go to get an abortion and like mm-hmm. these are the steps that go through and like she discovers that she has been lied to by the previous clinic and that she's further along oh. than she thought yeah. um and, and 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 all and all this stuff uh that you see and like the way that the professionals like sort of are there to help her but like can only offer so much help um and like what help they can offer sometimes she doesn't want to take like like they don't necessarily have a place to stay and so they're like i we can maybe help you find a place to stay but then she's like very clear like no i don't want you to help me with that like i i'm i'll figure it out on my own um i think all that depiction of like that process and that um that system i think is really uh interesting and i've never seen it i don't think depicted with like such clarity in film before and maybe that's on me for not seeking out these sorts of movies but i think it is something to to appreciate yeah. Yeah. And and uh, also like another like very moment that like could veer into being overdone and like too hard to watch but manages to be like per- a perfectly captured human moment is like when they're first walking in I think to the first planned parenthood mm-hmm. or maybe it's the second and there's all the protesters outside. Yes, yeah, yeah. the this, yeah. that's like the second one. Yeah, that's the like, one in Manhattan that they have to yeah. go to. And it's like there she's try she's like going to walk in and she sees across the street from it there are a bunch of like Westboro Baptist Church type like yeah. religious group protesting the Planned Parenthood and saying like the abortion is murder and carrying a lot of ho- horrible signs and it's like well you think it could go horribly and like somebody could like throw something at her and a lot of like terrible shit could happen but instead she's like you the camera stays with her and you can just see like. The, like, awful embarrassment and the, like, the slight guilt in her face. And then she just, like, 
sadly walks in and it's like it's not like a big to do but it's like a very good like encapsulation of just like how the world continues try to try to like embarrass and like stop her from doing this even though it's like should be a completely reasonable thing to do did we say um so the uh the main character and the cousin are both like first time basically their first movie um Sydney Flanagan and Talia Ryder mm-hmm. are the main character and cousin respectively. Both incredible. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, I mean that's the scene that we talked about that's like the titular scene is like jaw dropping and it's so 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 good. And the cousin um uh, I guess that actress is um she's in the West Side Story remake. Right. Yeah, she's gonna be a jet girl. I guess she's a dancer, probably. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's quite good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, they've never really sometimes always seen it's like a static shot of her face reacting yeah. to a bunch of questions, and she has to perfectly play like the discomfort in answering them, but also the like just like the sadness washing over her face as she has to like admit the things that happened to her that it like shouldn't be embarrassing but like obviously there are guilts associated with the way that women are treated to them which should not be the case but sadly is and it's just like so devastating there's just, um, like she consistently underplays things which is yeah. like very good mm-hmm. there's a a thing i saw pointed out um in an interview with hitman where she was talking about like how she pointedly didn't have a scene where uh, the main character like told her cousin that she was pregnant, and right. it like sort of plays like an unspoken thing, which is like very very like smartly done, and like everything this movie is just so like deftly yeah. handled. Um, but like uh, the scene of like them going to play bowling and then like going to play karaoke is like maybe the best, um, not maybe the best looking, but like some of the best looking shots of like speaking of the cinematography of like how they use like the sort of neon glow of like these bowling alley and like uh karaoke rooms while well, this creeps like singing um you know what is it a uh, flock of seagull song or whatever yeah and i think like what i think i said this in like somewhere else uh but like what beach rats sort of like captures of like summertime like sweltering boredom this like completely captures like winter depression <laughs> like mm-hmm. sadness being awake in a city at like four oh. p- like four a.m. just yeah. like trying to move around. I know you've had experience with that, Jesse. Yep. <laughs> like um, I where I used to live in like Alaska looks very similar to like the sort of suburby Pennsylvania, like muddy snow all over the ground, mm-hmm. like drags of like January or February. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't know if it was like uh an actress or an uh or if it was just like i like if you told me it was just the person who worked at planned parenthood i would believe it but like whoever administers the like um like survey and then it's right. like with her in the, the room is, yeah yes. yeah uh, so so like like a beacon of like comfort <laughs> like yeah the night nice- yes but like also that level of remove like right she like has yes. she can't like she can't like comfort her that much or like be like 
uh, oh, tell me all about it. Like, 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 let me help you or whatever. She has, she has to keep that sort of remove of like, I have to get these questions answered, uh, just okay. to like help assert your, like, your, just to make sure you're safe and that everything is go is the way that we it should be. Um, yeah. But also, but also trying to encourage her to like not necessarily feel bad about the, what has happened to her in her past. I think, yeah, yeah the way yeah. I I thought a lot about like. God, that's a hard job, and God bless anyone who, like, has the ability to do it well, because it's so yeah. hard. Yeah, and uh, the thing I was gonna say, the thing that she plays very well, like, it's like in her face you can see both at the same time, of, like, she is listening to her and trying to be empathetic, and, like, trying to react to the things she's saying, but she's also heard this a million times, probably, sadly, so it's like... She is used to what she's hearing, and it's nothing new to her, so she can't, like, be surprised or, like, horrified by any of it, but she is. But she tries, like, makes a very good and, like, attempt to, like, be empathetic and try to help her on her way. And, like, how, like, she doesn't even put, like, at one point she asks, like, how she's gonna pay for it, and she gives her, and the girl gives her... Her, uh, her, like, God, her Medicare, oh, her, her medical, card. yeah, her card, yeah, yeah. Her, yeah, her insurance card, for, yeah, for the insurance that she's on, like, under her parents, yeah, mm-hmm. and then she, like, she asks if, like, her parents are gonna see it, if, and she, the Planned Parenthood person said that, yeah, that she'll probably, they probably will see it, so she, like, asked him to, she asked to, like, pay it, right, under, like, like yeah, like, with just cash or whatever, and yeah, she has yeah. to pay for cash. And like, I think yeah, again, a good scene, a thing in that scene is like, the Planned Parenthood person doesn't like hit it over the head and be like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> a million times, it's like, yeah, she knows what the situation is, and she's not gonna continue pushing her, yeah, past her limit because she knows that that isn't going to be helpful to her in her current situation. Yeah, uh, yeah, strong recommend. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I will say just to speak a, a bit about the release of it, um, sure, it yeah. uh, it it's it, I believe it got like a couple of weeks in like New York and L A and maybe expanded one week a little bit wider before everything shut down. Um, so uh, Universal, which is distributing it, um, is doing with all their movies. They're doing twenty dollars to rent them. Uh, all their like new release movies, which like. They're applying to everything from, like, Trolls World Tour on down to Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Um, I know it's a big chunk of change for a rental. I do encourage you, if you're able to, to to, to, to pay it, it and to watch the movie. Because I think it's a kind of movie that could use that kind of support. And I think it's well worth supporting uh, for that amount. Maybe get a couple of friends, maybe get a couple of family members together who you're quarantined with. Um, and, like, and ask everyone to pitch in a little bit or something, but I think if you're able to pay for it, I think it, it, it is definitely a movie that's well worth saying, I value this movie, and I want the, like, the, the people behind it to know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually, like, there are very few situations in which I would say, sure, rent a movie digitally for $20. <laughs> I think it, uh incredibly expensive and uh mostly not worth the money but i think this is the sort of thing that could use the support and i think please I, it would be good if you gave it yes yeah, at least I consider mean, it please. If you know i mean figure out a way maybe you can change your password and share your account with a couple of people exactly. you know it's better yeah. than nothing yeah yeah if you share the cost with friends yeah 
do that sort of thing. But try, you know, try to pay for it. If you need, if you're gonna torrent Trolls World Tour, uh, I would be completely fine with that. Yeah, <laughs> certainly we're, much less judgment. All yeah, of that. we're we're yeah, that that, that would be fine. I think. <laughs> yeah. But, That's uh, Emilio's plug this week. Everyone see Trolls World Tour, but only if you torrent it. <laughs> yeah. If you pay no money for it, you should watch Trolls World Tour. <laughs> but yeah, that's been today's app. And uh, what yeah, are the things we'll you want to end with? Well, yeah, I was going to mention some movies that we may catch up on in the next month or so that we might talk about next time we do kind of one of these new release episodes there's uh i mentioned i don't know that we'd necessarily see those i mentioned sorry you missed we missed you and the trader from can competition last year there's mm-hmm. also bean pole which was in on certain regard by kantemir balagov who's a a young Russian director, his last movie, Closeness, never really got a U.S. release, so it's cool to see this one get one. That I plan on watching. That's also through Kino Lorber. There's, uh, what else? Oh, uh, The Hottest August is a documentary by Brett Story. And then her previous film, The Prison in Twelve Landscapes, is also available to watch. Uh, I wonder if, since it's another Kino Lorber movie that was supposed to come out, I think, this week or next week, Martin Eden might become available also through Kino now. So that might be something that we can talk about in a month's time. Uh, Satin Tango, the legendary Bellatar movie, is supposed to be on film at Lincoln Center's website starting this Friday, so probably today or yesterday as this episode's being released. We'll see if I can have the patience for that. I'll certainly give it a shot. And, uh, I believe you can also rent the floor again. Mariano Yenis's film, which I called <laughs> one of the ten best films of the decade. Maybe we'll finally have our... Did you? No, oh, I called extraordinary, but I yeah, but I mentioned the floor too. They're a pretty equal quality. Well, you also mentioned the leftovers, so <laughs> yeah, also of similar, very high quality. Uh, yeah. But yeah, maybe we'll finally do our big the floor bonanza <laughs> sometime. Yeah, we'll definitely all be able to fit that in between the twelve other movies we have to watch in the next month. You know, whatever. We'll talk the floor in July or something. <laughs> I mean, I'm down for that. That's oh, the come one. On. <laughs> if we stop doing like twelve movies a day, a day or whatever we're fucking <laughs> doing now, I'm completely down to watch the floor, which is a good movie that I've seen half of. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's it. You know, more things might. Oh, the other thing is, uh, as we were recording, I got a Twitter notification from. My local theater, AFI, saying that they were going to have Hollinger Palmason's A White White Day, which I've also heard is quite good. I'll try and watch that. I'm sure that'll be at other theaters, but that's the first time hearing of it. I think that might be... Uh, Can you say uh, Dow was coming out? Oh, yeah, Dow, the... uh, What's his name? From Dow Natasha, part of the film was in... 
Berlin competition. There was also a another part of it called Dow Degeneration that was out of competition at Berlin. The director, I believe, is named Ilya Kurzhanovsky. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, you can just go to dow.com and I believe those are supposed to be out next week maybe I think maybe they're gonna put those two out next week and then there's gonna be I heard he had like 10 movies out of this thing we talked about this when we were talking about Berlin but he shot over like six or seven years I think he like built this village it's a very controversial production and it's right yes it might be ethically fraught to actually yes, consume it so stores, like, take that under consideration yeah story you might want to read about it stories have come out about there being unstimulated sex in the movie between non-professional actors which very iffy but yeah, I've also heard so, good things about it, so Yeah. Excited for our episode late Ju- <laughs> late June about La Flor, Dow, and Satanaga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And coming right. weeks we should have the South by stuff that's gonna be on Amazon. Right, yeah. I think that'll probably get its own episode at some point. Yeah. We Great. probably will all like sample a few movies yes. from that i don't yep. think we're i don't think anyone's planning on watching all the south by films uh yeah, yeah we'll, jesse i think we'll you should all... commit to that right now this moment <laughs> you will watch all the south by films yeah. <laughs> uh, no. also we'll all be eating a breakfast taco and drinking bubbly while yeah, talking drinking about topo chicos <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah if you remember our excitement for all the uh, south by movies on the episode yeah yeah uh, you can guess how rearing re- uh rearing to go we are for movies that probably aren't gonna be great <laughs> well there's a we'll, few we'll that see. sound good that i'm hoping make this lineup uh What's the one? The Amy Simons movie. I'm hoping they have yeah. that. Sure. All right. Let, let's bring this home, folks. Um, yep. Next, next week, uh, Uncertain Regard Draft. Uh, the movies are available on our Letterboxd, which is Can I Kick It OD Odd. I believe it's also linked to on our Twitter, Can I Kick It Pod. Uh, or no, just Can I Kick It on Twitter. Yes. Uh, is, is us. Uh, I'm Andy Germuga. Uh, I'm at Andy T. Germ. Check out my tweets. They're pretty fun. Call yeah. Them. Call it. Go ahead. Oh, me next. Uh, yeah, I'm Clatchley on everything. Uh, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. Uh, some hot content. I recently posted my Nancy Myers rankings on Twitter. So look out for that. <laughs> They're wrong. Anyway. Well, Jesse. You can find me at JP Glickweber on Twitter or Letterboxd. They're links if you don't know how to spell that in the show notes i'm gonna stop spelling it out every week <laughs> uh you can find me emilio at on twitter at uh, hash at <laughs> <laughs> you know what you can find me when you find me <laughs> all right so with that let's release our audience Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. If you scare. <laughs> <laughs>